with my dogs. Welcome back to Story Juice. And also girls and people of no particular gender because we don't want to be exclusive, Andy. Welcome back, cucks. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Story Juice, the only podcast where we talk about our new haircuts that we both had today. Mine is short. And mine is uh, shorter than before. All right. Today we're going to do the same thing we always do for the second time. Which is, <laughs> read our prompts, read our, read our stories written each for the other, and then take the take an hour. We're we still doing an hour to write our next prompt. Yeah, an hour sounds about right. Okay, today's remind me what today's prompt is because um, I don't remember. I was just given the line elegance and simplicity, or maybe it was simplicity and elegance. Let me. Uh, That's right. It was elegance and simplicity. All right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I certainly use that. <laughs> I don't think that it um, became a theme or anything at all. I think I maintained a theme despite the fact that I literally forgot what it was a second ago. That's good. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first today? I don't remember who read first last time. You did. Then you should read first. Okay. Should I read a title or is this titleless? It is titleless. It doesn't need or deserve a title. It's better and worse than that. It's so simple and elegant. Like, yeah. The words elegance and simplicity hung above the masses, reaching their ersatz message to a choir that drove down the highway. Their faces illuminated in its radiant amethyst light for only a moment as they crossed by, and darkened in the long eternity that lay before and after. Each face was unfazed, irises barely took time to contract, and the wheels of their cars kept spinning, dragging the dirt from one end of their lives to the next. They missed they missed the message. <laughs> do you have a prior engagement, Andrew? No. I missed the message. <laughs> Never had interest in the perfume peddled in the billboard above. Above the words was the noir profile of a woman, eyes shut, head tilted. She screamed, sex, femininity, 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 power, beauty. She was better than you. She knew it. You knew it. The people driving below knew it, but they ignored it. One of the cars was a slightly new blue sedan. The driver's face briefly flashed in the amethyst light and faded. But that moment, if, <laughs> if anybody had been watching, they would have seen the glint of tears streaming down his contorted face, his red eyes, and his mouth that was open, sobbing. He sped on through the night, aimless, looking occasionally in the rearview mirror. The darkness of the back seat did everything but welcome him. Sometimes when there was a long space between traffic lights, he would find himself staring back there, eyes locked on whatever he believed to be back there, until the light returned. Then he would breathe a little easier. Until the knocking started. It was rapid and loud, and he swerved the car to the next lane. He swerved it back and screamed. The knocking continued from the trunk. He heard a feminine voice. David! It was almost matter of fact. He was David. She was in the trunk. That was that. It didn't change anything for him, though. He screamed. He swerved again. Harry and blue lights appeared in the rearview mirror. For a moment, he was going to keep speeding, hope to outrun the cop. But he knew that what was, 
but he knew that what was in the trunk wouldn't let him. At least with the cop, he stood a chance of rationalizing. He kept his foot on the brake, slowed, and came to a stop in the shoulder under another billboard. The cop's door opened and closed behind him. He kept his hands on the wheel, stared into the mirror. He was parked under a streetlight, but he kept staring into the back seat. He was jolted by a knock on his window. A bright light greeted him. He rolled it down. The officer was tall and bearded. He bared a large flashlight and glared down at David, his eyes two bright lights under the brim of his hat. Going a bit fast tonight. David nodded. He handed the officer his license. He didn't remember taking it out. The officer looked it over. Know why I pulled you over? I was speeding. And swerving. Are you under the influence of any drugs or alcohol tonight, David? He kept David's license. David looked at the officer's gun. He looked back into his eyes, wondering if the man had seen his eye movement. No. The officer looked into the back seat. Is there anything in the car that shouldn't be? Any weapons I should know about? He looked at the blanket and whatever was folded underneath. No. The officer stared at him for a moment. David was sure he would have him step out of the vehicle. He wasn't sure what would happen at that moment. He only knew that he was safe as long as he stayed where he was. If he got out, he wasn't sure. There was no way to know. Where are you headed tonight, David? Hotel. I need to get to sleep. I understand that. He sighed. Tell you what. You seem like you're not doing anything you're not supposed to be. I'm willing to let you off with a warning as long as you agree to get some sleep and drive safely. But I'm going to run your license first. David nodded. The officer turned towards his car. He had passed the end of the trunk when the knocking returned. David watched him stop in his driver's side mirror. He turned back. His hand was on his gun. They made eye contact in the mirror. The officer trudged back and looked him in the eye. Would you care to explain that? David shook his head. The officer sighed. Step out of the car, please. I... I can't. Sir, I'm not going to ask you again. Step out of the car. There was another knock. The voice cried, David, let me out, David. The officer drew his gun. The cool metal glinted red and blue from the officer's lights. He did not immediately aim it into the car. Sir, step out of the car. David slowly opened the door and stood up. He turned towards the car and put his hands on the roof. The officer patted him down. The knocking continued. The voice cried for help. David felt the cold metal of handcuffs dig into his skin. The officer walked him to the police car and put him in the back. It was cold and the seat was rough leather. The air was thick with the scent of chewing tobacco and old coffee. There was something else, sour and sweet. The officer's car was only somewhat under the light. He forced himself uncomfortably under the beam that made its way through the window. It was amethyst from the billboard above. Now you hold still. I'm going to go see what's in your trunk. Don't, David whispered. The officer made no reply. He went to the car. He took the key. He went to the trunk. He opened it. He collapsed on the ground. David whimpered in the cold back seat of the police car. The light above his car flickered. The trunk door lifted on its own and a figure got out. Even under the light it was all shadow, but David recognized his wife. Her hair hung in wet clumps. Her clothes were torn. She was bleeding, limping. He could not see her face. Oh God, where was her face? She was staring at him, but she had no face. The light flickered. She was gone. The sweet, sour smell was immediately intensified. He stared forward, not daring to look into the darkness in the seat to his left. There was labored breathing beside him. 
He felt it on his neck. He didn't look. He couldn't look. If he looked, he would die. But part of him wanted to look. Part of him needed it. Like water. Like food. Like shelter. It was some basic need. And if he didn't look right this second, he would wither and die. He knew that. And he knew that. And he fought it with every ounce of his being. It hurt him not to look. Where was her face? He needed to look. David, why don't you look? David, look! He couldn't. She didn't have a face! David, why don't you look at me? David! Oh God! Oh God, David, what are you doing? Please stop! David, please look at me! David, please! Where was her face? The officer was standing up unnaturally. Look! His neck was tilted. Look! A neck shouldn't be tilted like that. David, look! David, look at me! Fucking look at me, David! David, you always do this! Fucking look at me, piece of shit, you fucking trash! Look at me, look at me in the face like you did while you were murdering me, David! Step out of the car, sir, step out of the car! Put your hands on your head, David, look! You fucking animal, sir, you need to comply! He's resisting arrest, David, I knew you were always nothing, you always going to... Nothing, mother was right about you, sir, I need you to look at your wife, sir! Sir, please comply, or I'll be forced to resort to lethal means, sir! David, 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 look! Fucking, look, fuck, fucking, look, look, look! You fucking look at me! And a hand grasped his. It was cold and wet and bony. You need to look at me, honey. Please stop, he whimpered. He couldn't move. He wasn't sure he could turn his head to look even if he wanted to. Please stop, she screamed. It sounded so familiar, so close, so distant. I'm so sorry. He shut his eyes. He rested his head on the wired glass in front of him. The hand grasped his tighter. He felt his wife lean in and rest her chin on his shoulder. Her mouth touched his ear. You're not sorry yet, she whispered it so lightly. The hand disappeared. The pressure on his shoulder went away. The sour and sweet smell faded. All that remained was the cold and amethyst light above. He opened his eyes. He was alone in the car. The officer lay dead next to his car. The trunk was still open, but so was the door to the police car. He stepped out into the night. The keys were easy to find, and he took the cuffs off. Sitting back in his car, he looked up at the billboard in his rearview mirror. There was nothing in the back seat. There was nothing in the trunk. There was no face. The words, elegance and simplicity, hung above him. He considered them for a moment, considered the woman who preached them. He put his car into drive, set off into the night, leaving the amethyst light behind. That was really uh, something. Thanks. Uh, good it. something? Bad something? No, I liked it. Uh, unusual this, something? This is why you asked me if I knew about... um. That website with the stories on it that are scary. Yeah, yeah, I forget yeah. what it's called, but whenever someone mentions it, I know what they're talking about. Uh, SCP. I'm gonna use it as a plug. Right, I like that. I yeah. like that. I'd like to do one similar to one about supernatural stuff. Yeah, I was just going for spooky this time. Uh, I don't know where. I started out with like the first paragraph, and then I was like, something else. That's interesting. I hope it's not too spoilery, but I um, my initial thought with this prompt was like. I wouldn't make it about a serial serial killer. I don't know why. So like, I kind of wish I had now. <laughs> All right. Um, There's always more serial killer stories. Yeah. I guess my first thought was just like simplicity and elegance. And the first thing that comes to my head is like a serial killer. That's like I just like to keep things clean and simple and get away with it. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. I guess I should say you're about to start yours. Oh yeah, I'm about to start mine. Um, well, yours. I'm about to read yours, which is also untitled. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Same as mine. Didn't need one. <laughs> At the Robinson family reunion, the energy was high. Grandma Robinson walked back and forth from the kitchen to the dining room as she ran out of space to put her freshly baked pies. Children ran through the halls playing with a small, zippy white dog. No running! I said, no 
Yeah. George, don't you think they should settle down? I think they need to settle down, George. Settle down, kids! Their stepmother protested, but the children had already disappeared into the enormous house, and George was busy describing the intricacies of child dentistry to his cousin, Doug. The Robins were a very wealthy family, and they were also a very big family. Some sat around in groups at multiple tables drinking beer and talking about their jobs, while others stood about outside, debating politics near a couple of grills cooking salmon. In the grass by a small flower garden, a little girl about eleven with brown hair and a dress and a white dress sat peacefully Indian style with a few balls of yarn that she was knitting into some brown socks. All I'm saying is that they couldn't possibly develop an IQ above 80 at that point. It's just genetics. But I know you don't want to hear it. So I, I know you don't want to hear it, said somebody's dad over by the grill. Uh, that, that's an interesting perspective, but I disagree. Anyone can learn, said somebody's uncle. It's not a perspective. You have a perspective. I have facts, the dad defended. The reunion got louder and louder as more people arrived. More small dogs arrived, yapping at each other as they roamed the house and the backyard. Yip, 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 went the dogs. Facts, 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 went the dads. In the parking lot. Filled up the front until cars were bumper to bumper down the road. The little girl kept knitting away, though she occasionally stopped to pet a curious puppy that stopped by to sniff her balls of yarn. A couple of mothers and somebody's stepsister watched near the garden with their wine glasses. Well, Deborah, I think you did do the right thing. I mean, what else could you have possibly done? If your daughter-in-law wants to have her son's birthday party on Mother's Day, she must be a selfish little weasel. She's certainly not thinking of your needs, sophomore mom. Thanks, Brenda. We will find out how much she cares when she realizes she didn't get invited to the family reunion. Some women have no respect for family. Jason could have done so much better. He's a bloody surgeon, for God's sake, replied the other mom, shaking her bitchy bob cut. The two moms almost sounded like the exact same person when they spoke. That's just family for you, I guess. Why isn't Jason- I think these are the same woman now with my voice. Why isn't Jason here yet, by the way? Is he caught in that dreadful traffic? I had to text my way past every Sunday driving asshole on the way here, and I still have the common sense to text that I was running late. I swear, people are so difficult and inconsiderate, it drives me mad. The first mom took notice of the girl knitting by the- Sarah, are you knitting again? You poor girl. Just wait until life hits you one day. Hell, when I was your age, I was already looking into med schools I wanted to go when I grew up. You have to do something with your life first. Then comes relaxation. Delayed gratification? That's what my therapist says. I couldn't have see, I couldn't have seven pure braids and a pool boy if Steven and I didn't work our asses off for it first. I wish your mother would listen to us. The little girl continued to knit next to one of her panting friends unfazed. Back inside the house, the grandma had finished preparing pies for her guests, and was peacefully sitting in a rocking chair, taking in the atmosphere and occasionally remarking to her grandchildren how big they were getting and how pleasant it was to see them growing into unique little persons. It's the perfect weekend for camping, huh, Marcus? A man said to his brother in a stupid tone. It sure is. I thought about doing some camping with the kids, but I just got the BMWs clean, and it's looking a little muddy in the parks. Plus, I might get called in for some extra hours today or tomorrow, I'm not sure. That's... the voice I was using before! <laughs> uh, that's the... that's the way! Gotta build that nest egg! 
Oh, yeah, so I can feed my snake of an eternity. It's worth it, though. I think I'm doing Barney Rubble now. <laughs> it's worth it, though. I'm not going to let Teresa undo all the work I put into those upstanding Americans. The man ruffled the hair of a young boy and girl sitting quietly in chairs beside each other. The boy had his finger in his nose, and the girl was picking at her widgie. The, hor the horse doorbell, the house doorbell, <laughs> rang, getting everyone's attention. Everyone in the family knew to let themselves in, so the ringing of the doorbell signified a guest from outside the family had arrived. Grandma Robinson made her way to the door. She was quite agile for an 85-year-old and was making pretty good time, but just before she reached the door, it burst open, revealing a man in a suit holding a big check with $10,000 printed on the front. A small crew with cameras followed him into the house. Congratulations! Your family just won $10,000 every week for the rest of your lives! Your acceptance of this prize shall, thus prohibited by law, all constitute a grant of us to the right to print, publish, broadcast, and use worldwide in any media known or hereafter discovered at any time. Your name, picture, voice, likeness, and or biographical information for promotional purposes without additional compensation and without consent! The room fell completely silent for a moment. But then the stunned family of Robinsons erupted in cheers of amazement at their incredible luck. <laughs> cried a man Robinson. We can go on so many vacations! I just think of it. Ooh, cried a woman Robinson. Which of you is Mr. Franklin? Asked the sweepstakes spokesman. Finally, I can stop. Oh, that's a woman. Finally, I can stop selling this Mary Kay sh bullshit! Gasped a young Robinson. What? What? Grandma Robinson asked. I said, now I can finally stop selling bullshit Mary Kay. Excuse me, Kelly. I was talking to the gentleman, sir. If you are looking for the Franklin residence, they are across the street in the brick mansion of the winding road there. They have a lot of nice cows there. Can't miss it. The once jubilant room of Robinson transformed jarringly as the cameraman and sweating spokesman slipped out the front and made their way across the street. Women cried, the men bawled, someone fell into a table in complete devastation at the abrasive double turn of events that had transpired all within about five minutes. The Franklins! The Franklins! How did they get us confused with the Franklins? They don't even need the money! Those rich assholes! It, it will. It will be okay, honey. Somehow we will come through this. Maybe we, we can sue. Yeah, sure, we can sue. Come on, let's go home and get in contact with Mark and, and see what he thinks. Yeah, you're coming too. Groups of Robinsons began to leave the house in waves, some in excited determination and others in a righteously blinded rage. Some, before long, the house seemed to be empty. Only Grandmother Robinson sat at the table with her untouched pies. <laughs> With her untouched pies. She nodded her head as she sang an old song to herself. When the chicken and the coal and the can grow, mama, I said, when chicken and the coal and the coal don't grow, I'm away to San Francisco, where I booked my friend and his name was Poncho. He said, what? He said, one string, there's something you got to know, and I, we are back on ourselves, and a horse is where we go. <laughs>
we sing this. The girl that had been knitting socks came inside to hear the singing. Grandma smiled and said, Hello, my child. Oh, what lovely songs you made. You are quite good at that now. Would you like some pie? The little girl smiled back and ate some pie, relaxing as her grandmother sang, When the chicken and the corn, the corn duck roll, mama. The end. <laughs> I liked the amount of voices in there. Yeah, uh, it was you, really nice. You really took it away with the voices. I liked the little twist, too. Thanks. It was It was very... Uh, I don't want to say realistic because that doesn't seem like that's not like a thing I've ever encountered. But, uh, but like, it feels uh, not relatable either. Believable, uh, maybe. Believable, yeah, that one. Yeah, I think I was with the theme. I was going for the idea that um, this family is very oriented on around like getting enough money to make their lives peaceful or like livable, um, and they kind of one of them judges the, the girl for just like knitting and not doing anything but when but when they're faced with like a really good thing they can't handle when it falls through but the grandma and the little girl can handle it because they're already living simply with like the pie making and the knitting and this the elegance (laughs) neat little moral and i'm sure all of our listeners will take quite to heart yeah i thought it might sound preachy if it wasn't (laughs) it probably did i don't really I don't care. It's okay. I like the voices. Nothing yeah, you, matters. You really did the good voices. I think you're always going to have an Italian in there somewhere, <laughs> if given the opportunity. Is that what that was? That's what the one, the one that was like, "I'll go with you." Or, I'm gonna go with you. <laughs> I I just uh, make it sound funny. And I'm like, oh, I forgot who was who. Oh yeah, when I when I made it, I was intentionally like, you're only probably going to hear about from each character like once or twice. Oh okay. Um, which I didn't know if that would work out well. It, it obviously did for you because you did really well in the voices. And I, um, I'd made a joke in there because I figured you might make those two women sound the same. That's why I said these two women sounded almost like the same person. <laughs> I think I ended up doing that. Yeah. So that's perfect. And, um, I appreciated the contrast of yours being, being serious. Although it was, I mean, it's almost, oh, no matter what I read, I end up laughing, so... <laughs> What about our next prompt? So I had this dream last night that I was haunted by two ghosts. And that's like a neat thing on its own. And I'm not like the type of guy to talk about dreams and be like, why don't you care about my dream? Come on. It was so cool. It was so real to me. But uh, the first ghost was, um, it wasn't really that important. And I don't even remember what the deal was with that ghost. The second ghost, it was like a special ghost where it only haunted me when I was procrastinating. And, um... I think this might have come from into the semester jitters or whatever. And I was like trying to show people the ghost. So I went into this bathroom with them, like to look at the mirror and be like, oh, look at this ghost come up behind us. And I was like, oh, I sure do need to write this paper, but I guess I'll watch TV instead. And then like there's this ghost and it just like yells at me. And like that's all it does. It just kind of yells. But it's like, like scary and it, it just... makes you want to not procrastinate. So I was thinking like what of your, uh, what flaw of yours haunted like as a good as like a ghost would like what flaw of mine would haunt me yeah or like a flaw that literally haunts as like a prompt i have my terrible short-term memory um although can a short-term memory ghost really haunt me um after a while <laughs> eventually <laughs> 
So I don't know. Does that sound like something you'd be interested in? It yeah. doesn't have to be your flaw. It could be his just, flaw, my flaw. Be pick a flaw that can haunt. That's an interesting idea. Uh, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that. The prompt. Um, out of curiosity, is your dream a reoccurring dream? Is that what you were saying, or this was just? Oh no, it just happened last night. Okay, because you almost made it sound like. I almost thought for a second that like during certain times of your life you have that one ghost in your dreams and other times you have the other one you're like whatever. <laughs> Piss <laughs> off ghost. The other the other ghost other ghost is your bad memory ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's just whatever. I don't remember what he is, but he's there. <laughs> <laughs> um no. I have uh dreams that I often wake up and I'm like, Oh, that would make such a cool story. And then I think about it for like a while. I'm like, no, that no, wouldn't. I just woke up and I thought that would be cool. Yeah, things sound amazing and amplified in your dreams. Yeah. And sometimes they still do when you wake up, but often they do not. Yeah. But I think this ghost thing might work. So uh, we'll write for an hour and come back. After these messages. Story Juice is brought to you by... Nothing. Give Sarah us money. Squeaks. Give us money. Give us money. Please. Please. I don't like that. I don't know. Uh, that wasn't great of a joke. <laughs> <laughs>